morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We welcome you back to our series entitled The Christmas Experience. And so looking at just some, some things from the Word of God involving the Christmas story on Wednesdays, we're examining that as well and having a great time uh, looking at some questions and looking at some scriptures and, and seeing uh, just a great time of discussion. You know, when it comes to Christmas, Christmas can be a rather chaotic time of year. Are you finding that? I mean, the song says it's the most wonderful time of the year, and and we might enjoy that too. We might believe that too. But in the midst of wonderfulness comes chaos, right? Whether it's uh, trying to get the tree up and and lighting and decoration, and and, uh, some of you go all out inside and outside and and maybe trying to uh, put strands of lights up and and, uh, some don't work or this bulb's out and and trying to fix this and trying to fix that and trying to get your tree up and and whether it's a real one or a fake one and and, and you get all of these things going. And then there's the Christmas songs, the Christmas carols, the the Christmas cookies because we can't forget about that. Or any other thing involved with Christmas, sometimes it just seems to be chaos. And then in the midst of Christmas and in the midst of chaos, sometimes just comes the chaos of life. You've experienced that, right? Because how many of us know life just does not seem fair all the time? Things happen in our physical bodies. Things happen, uh, you know, in our families. Things happen in our finances. And so in the midst of Christmas, in the midst of uh, decorations and preparing our hearts uh, uh, for Christmas and uh, maybe the giving and receiving of gifts, sometimes things happen to our physical bodies, which affects things in our families and affects things in our finances and affects many other situations, and we face chaos. How many of you would love to have some peace in the midst of chaos? So we're going to be looking at this morning. Now, certainly as as we go and we take a look at the Christmas story, um, we know that everything was just hunky-dory and there was absolutely no chaos, just nothing going on when it came to Joseph and Mary and the birth of baby Jesus. We're being facetious. You know that there certainly was a lot that was taking place. Whether you look at the beginning of of Matthew's gospel or you look at the beginning of Luke's gospel, and we see with Mary, this young girl that most biblical scholars and commentators and theologians would look to say she would probably be in the mid-teens range. We often think about Mary as this grown, adult, godly biblical woman, and yet more than likely was a teenager, who found out through an angel that she was going to have a baby, and it was the baby through the power of the Lord, not through any union with her spouse, her soon-to-be spouse and Joseph. Can you imagine being a teenage girl and just... Any one period, having an angel show up to you. That that might weird you out a little bit. I mean, that might cause you a little bit of stress. The angel, of course, says, have no fear. Don't worry. You're you're a special and chosen one. You're going to have a baby. 
It's through the power of the Lord. And so now she's wrestling with this. She has been pure. She's been saving herself for marriage, but yet she's told she's going to have a baby. In the meantime, we take a look at Joseph. Matthew's gospel tells a little bit about that. And so Joseph is engaged to Mary, Mary, to Mary, Mary. And he as well is visited by an angel, and he's, he's trying to figure things out. Here's, here's this, uh, this woman of his, and, and she's going to be pregnant, and she's going to give birth to this baby, and he knows he didn't have anything to do with that. He, he's, he's trying to wrestle through, what do I do? And he experiences an angel, and the angel gives him some instructions, and as a result, together they are looking to raise this child in the midst of what everybody else would term an illegitimate pregnancy. Oh, and by the way, there's this thing called government. And the governmental leader says, we're going to have a census, and everybody needs to go to your hometown to register, and um, you better do it because uh, you'll be in trouble if you don't. And so Joseph with Mary who is well with child, have got to travel probably 50, 60, 70, 80 miles, not within the comfort of their automobile, on foot. Uh, We tend to look at the Christmas story and and believe that it took place with them, uh, maybe with the animal, maybe a a donkey. Very likely that uh, a very, very pregnant woman would not have made 60, 70, 80 miles on foot, so maybe there was. Just a wee little bit of chaos. They're not married yet, but Mary is pregnant. Everybody knows about it. An angel comes to Mary. An angel comes to Joseph. In the midst of that, government says, you've got to go to your hometown to register. So they're in Nazareth, but they've got to go to Bethlehem. She's very, very pregnant. Just a little bit of chaos. Maybe it's not exactly your situation, but... But probably you might have some of those same feelings of of fear, questions about how do I handle what I'm facing, physical, spiritual, financial, personal, family, uh, friends, whatever the case might be. And so just as they have experienced a lot, no doubt you and I either have or are or buckle your seatbelt, maybe it's just around the corner. We face times of stress, chaos, and difficulty. But as we take a look at the Word of God, and specifically we're going to spend a lot of time here in Matthew chapter 1, and we'll see how in the midst of chaos, there was some peace. There seemed to be a level head as God's hand was upon Joseph and upon Mary. And let's look at a few principles how we might be able to navigate some peace in the midst of chaos. So Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, we read this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
Here's an opening thought for you and I for peace in the midst of chaos. And from Joseph's example here, we see we've got to develop a heart of compassion, a heart of compassion for others. And that can be a challenge, certainly for Joseph and Mary. Here's what they experienced. Mary found out she was pregnant with a baby. Joseph finds out she's pregnant with a baby. Both of them know that they had not had any relationships together that would cause that baby. Yet nobody else would know or understand. The angel shows up to to Mary and says, this this child is going to be through the power of God. The angel shows up to Joseph and confirms that you're going to call his name Jesus. So the Lord was speaking to them, confirming that this baby was legitimately a miracle. Yet how many other people are going to understand and buy the fact that without a man and a woman together, a baby is somehow being formed? So public opinion, public perception of a woman being pregnant, not yet married, it was viewed illegitimately. And there were some dire consequences that could take place for Mary's life. Now, what we see, the text says, Joseph was faithful, but yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. From from Joseph's perspective, it seems like he probably had two options. I mean, certainly you wouldn't just stick around in the midst of this. So he could divorce her very publicly, kind of a messy, public, maybe try to save face, maybe try to save his own reputation, and in the meantime, it would probably drag hers down. Since he was a faithful man, he did not want to do that, so he sought to, to do this divorce. He sought to do this quietly. Why? The heart of compassion for Mary to try to guard her, to try to protect her. Isn't that a challenge sometimes? To think about others and not ourselves. Even in the midst of Christmas season, sometimes we can catch ourselves being real excited about self. I mean, we love to give, but boy, don't we love to receive. And so even sometimes in the midst of a a giving season like Christmas, if we're not careful, we can focus on self and what I'm going to get, what I'm going to receive, rather than how I might be a blessing to others. Joseph's thought was not about number one. Joseph's thought was not about, i got to take care of me and forget about you, Mary. If so... He could have done some things a little little more publicly, put all of the the heat, all of the attention on her and tried to kind of spare himself and try to spare his reputation and maybe try to slink away. It appears that his mindset, his heart was one of compassion for Mary. I think that's that's a great challenge. It's a great encouragement for you and I because When we are in the midst of difficulty and struggle and trial and hardship and chaos, 
The default mechanism is many times to say, focus on me, and we kind of put blinders up to anybody and anything else. I think the encouragement is not that we neglect our own needs, not that we try not to take care of them, but to try to venture outside of self to say, how can I encourage someone else? How can I bless someone else? How might I have a heart of compassion for someone else? You know, certainly in, in the season, sometimes it's just a, a smile. A smile, a pat on the back, an encouraging word. Sometimes it's a little bit more tangible, uh, like a helping hand with something a gift of, of support, of encouragement, or a tangible blessing. I mentioned earlier, and, and many of you took part in it, the, the Women's Ministries a Christmas Party. I think a great illustration of the, this principle. Having a Christmas party usually means everybody comes together and we celebrate us, right? We're going to come to a Christmas party, and I want to get, I got to go home with a gift. So I, I'm going to give a gift to give, but I'm going to come home with a gift for me. The, the purpose, the focus, as I understand it this year, was a little, little different. Come with some food items to bring and to donate. Come with an offering to give as opposed to a gift to exchange. I think there were some, some prizes and stuff given out, but the focus seemed to be that of outwardness, to, to try to bless some other families Rather than, let's just focus on ourselves. So by the way, quick plug, if you wanted to participate that and you didn't, uh, if you did so in the offering, great. If not, mark it down, WM Christmas gift, or see Sue Gardner about that. I think there's still opportunity for you to be involved in that. I think just a, a great illustration in the midst of, and I'm sure in this church, and we know with, with the, the list of needs and things that we've shared, there's a lot of chaos in a lot of homes, in a lot of families, in a lot of physical bodies, and in a lot of situations, and yet a pretty cool opportunity to have a heart of compassion outside of just self. Certainly, we've got a lot of things that we do need to take care of, and we've got to focus on. In addition to that, can we also look to others? Can we also have that heart of compassion that says, I sense, I see when someone might need that encouraging word. I sense and, and see when someone might need that arm around a shoulder or, or a, a, a smile or a, a joke or a pick-me-up or, or something tangible. There's this heart of compassion. Joseph exhibited it. In the midst of a lot of stuff on his plate, it seemed, yes, he was, he was trying to take care of that, but his heart of compassion was, I want to reach out. I want to try to take care of Mary. Let's, let's be open. Just a, a couple of weeks left. Christmas is two weeks from tomorrow. Between now and then, I would, I would imagine that God would maybe prompt our hearts with a handful of ways, a handful of opportunities to have a heart of compassion for someone else. At school, in the home, in, in the workplace, in the community, in the church. Let's be open, let's be sensitive, and then reach out with that heart of compassion.
I think there's a, a second thing that helps us if we're trying to navigate through the midst of chaos, and that's by seeking God's direction in prayer. We continue there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and following. It says, but after he, after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. There's that word, that that term, that name again, which means God with us. Now, Joseph had a dream where the angel of the Lord gave wisdom, directions, and instructions. Now, I understand, and I don't necessarily know that God speaks through an angel or that God speaks through a dream or God speaks through a vision each and every time. Wouldn't that be a little helpful? A little scary, maybe. You know, like every night you go to bed, you just turn over and fall asleep when blinding light and, you know, two in the morning this angel shows up and always says, fear not. Oh, and by the way, here's the five things you need to do today. I mean, we'd be a little scared, a little little confused, but we'd probably also like that, that clarity, right? Do this, 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 and this. Now, Joseph had that luxury of the angel speaking some specific steps. I'll just, I'll just share. I've never had an angel. I've never heard any audible, out loud, vocal voices from God. But I have had God speak to me. I have had God lead me and guide me as I've read his word. I've had God lead me and guide me and direct me through times of prayer, through times of seeking him. And it tends to come as I put myself in the situation where I can best hear from God. So the the principle is not the fact that the angel showed up in the dream. The principle is the fact Joseph was open to, receptive to, and listening for God's voice. That was the method. The Lord used the angel in the dream. Could he choose to do that for you and I? He could. He might also choose to use that time of getting into God's word and reading, studying. If you've not gotten a copy yet, we do have the December, January, February God's Word for Today devotionals. Free of charge, short little devotional of the Word of God, a little, little uh, reading and maybe a couple questions. Free of charge in the foyer for you. As well, we've got the brand new 2018 Bible Reading Guides. Same three, same three options. They're on the same three colors of paper, so yellow, orange, green. If you've got one and you like that one, grab the same color. They're out there as well. Some of you, maybe you're, you're finishing up this year and you're, you're looking to finish the Old Testament or you're looking to finish the New Testament or your goal has been to read the entire Bible this year. Great. Finish strong. 
pick up a, a copy and do that again as we go into God's Word next year. But spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer, puts us in that, that presence, puts us in that relationship, puts us in that opportunity where we're better able to hear and sense and receive God's direction. When we've got a time of chaos, boy, do we need God's direction. When we don't know what our next step is, when we're a little confused about uh, what the doctor has said, when we're a little confused about where these resources and finances are going to come from, when we're a little confused as to why this person's at odds with this person in our family, whatever the case might be, we've got to go and seek God's direction. We do so in prayer. We do so in the Word of God. Let us be receptive to what God has for us. God's peace can overcome and overtake even the most chaotic of circumstances. I love that scripture in Philippians where it says, that may the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I say that and I share that a lot because the truth is, it's true. In the situations where it seems like we have no peace and it's just chaos reigning, we can't experience the peace of God. I think a part of that comes as we seek God's direction. Not just, God, what do I want to do? Or, God, I want you to bless the direction I've already started walking. But, God, what is it that you want in my life? Help me to do what it is that you want and not just try to force you to bless what I've already done. Seeking his vision, seeking his direction in prayer. Continue then in Matthew chapter 1, the next couple of verses. These might be the most important couple of verses, verse 24 particularly, as we look at another way, another component of moving forward, experiencing peace in the midst of chaos. And that's this, we've got to take steps of faithful obedience. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So we've seen that Joseph has had some, some good motives. He's had a good heart of compassion. In the midst of this vision and this dream, God has spoken to him. He's been listening and paying attention. But how many of you know it's one thing to listen, one thing to pay attention, one thing to understand what God is saying. It's another thing completely to actually do what God's saying. Joseph took steps of faithful obedience an angel came in a dream, told him some pretty massively important stuff, confirming that the child within Mary was of the Holy Spirit, confirming that it was going to be a boy, they were going to name him Jesus, he was going to save his people from their sins. I mean, you think you have some, some big goals, some big dreams for your child, Right? Your child's born, and, and you're hoping, oh, you know, maybe one day they're going to love basketball, and they'll be in the NBA. They'll be a pro basketball or baseball or football player. 
My son or daughter is going to be a a doctor, a a lawyer, a, a teacher, whatever. You've got all these dreams and visions of what your son or daughter could be. And then the angel of the Lord says, oh, by the way, he's going to save his people from their sins. Wow. You want to talk about a a pretty massive and a pretty heavy word from the Lord. The angel said, here's what you've got to do. Did Joseph go and sleep on it another night and maybe sleep on it for another week or another month or kind of see how things shake out? No. God's word very clearly says, when Joseph woke up. The angel spoke to him. He woke up. Boom! He did exactly what God said. He took Mary home as his wife. Didn't consummate the marriage. She did give birth to the son, and he did give him the name Jesus. Absolutely everything that the Lord spoke through the angel to him in that dream He followed to the T, he followed to the letter, and he followed immediately. See, to experience God's peace, we've got to do things God's way. And I might even suggest we've got to do things God's way right away. We say that to our children or we say that to our our grandchildren, right? When we ask them to do something, whether it's a a chore in their room or around the house, and if we ask them to do something, our desire is that they would follow through with it. Our desire is that they follow through with it immediately as opposed to, you know, over the next day or week or year, right? If, If there's... A stinky, sweaty, smelly sock on the floor, and you say, pick that up and, you know, put your clothes in the hamper. You really mean today and not wait a year until that sock is growing things on it, right? We we would rather that that the follow-through happens right away. I believe God would desire that same thing in us. God speaks to us in his word. God speaks to us in a time of prayer. Uh, sometimes it's, it's very clear. Sometimes it's just kind of that, that nudge and that desire, and you believe that God's kind of leading you in a certain way. And then sometimes, boy, we're, we're not sure, so we kind of back off. Ah, that probably wasn't God. That was probably Mountain Dew at midnight. That was late night pizza. That that. Must be the eggnog, must be the fruitcake, it must be the gingerbread cookies, I don't know. And sometimes we explain away or we dismiss away what God's trying to speak into our hearts. Joseph was met by an angel in a dream, pretty heavy stuff. Not only did he obey, he did so right away. I want to encourage you, when God speaks to your heart, When God speaks as you read in the word, when God speaks through a time of prayer and God gives that instruction, God gives that nudge, God gives what you feel might be that next step, you say, God, how can I take that step? There's nothing there. Take that step of faith. Take that step of faithful obedience to God. Let's obey what God desires and do so as, as quickly as we can to follow through. In the midst of this, it would have been so easy for Joseph to say, whoa, I'm dealing with so much stuff right now, so much chaos right now, I'm just not going to do anything. 
I just go kind of curl up in a ball in my home and just try, I just got to figure this out. He could have. Sometimes that's what we feel like doing. But when God gives us that clear word, when God speaks clearly in his word, in prayer, and God, God nudges to our heart, let us take that step of faithful obedience. When God speaks, not only do we listen, let's put that into practice. Finally, this morning, to try to find some sense and try to navigate to peace in the midst of chaos. And we're looking at Joseph, we're looking at Mary, as the two of them certainly had a lot of chaos. I think the final thing to apply in our lives, we're going to jump to Luke chapter 1 and look at Mary and her situation. As we see that we've got to trust the will of God. Luke chapter 1 Verses 37 and 38, some pretty powerful verses. This is at the conclusion. Again, the angel coming to speak to Mary. And the angel says, you're going to have a child. And Mary says, how in the world is that? I know how babies are born, and that's just not possible. The angel says, yes, it's a child of the Most High. And so there's this conversation Mary with the angel, and the angel says in verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. King James reads that way. New Living Translation puts it this way, for the word of God will never fail. Either way you look at it, either way you translate it, it's powerful. Nothing's impossible with God. His word will never fail. So in the midst of this teenage girl meeting an angel, being told she's now pregnant with a child, and that nothing's impossible with God, his word will never fail, so all these things I've just told you will come true, what does teenage Mary say? Verse 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. In the New Living Translation, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. What she was saying was this. I don't understand everything about it. How I could have this baby inside of me through the power of God. I've never heard of that before. It doesn't seem biologically or physically impossible. Or possible. But because you've said so, because the Lord has chosen you to speak to me, I'm your servant. Let it be as you've said, I trust God. I don't know everything about why this is happening, but I put my trust in God. Let it happen as you have said. See, it's God's strength, it's God's power that can make the impossible a possibility. In the natural, we look at that and say, how in the world could this girl have a baby without taking part in what causes the baby? Doesn't make sense. But with God, the impossible becomes a possibility. This child was through the power of God. God's plan was not without difficulty, right? Teenage girl having a baby 
not in that marriage relationship, they would be, in a sense, kind of outcasts, ostracized. We don't read a lot of the details, but you could, you could imagine probably even from her own family. I mean, Mary had an angel come to her. Joseph had an angel come to him. They got it. Do you ever wonder what, what Mary's family might have been like? What their thoughts or questions would have been like? As Mary and as Joseph would try to exclaim and, and proclaim, listen, we didn't do anything. It's an angel. The baby's through the power of God. Yeah, right. That's a new one. I've not heard that one before. You can only imagine nine months worth of everybody in the village, everybody in the community, probably everybody in her family, thinking thoughts about and against Joseph and Mary. And then you have this baby being born after their 50, 60, 70 mile journey. We know there's no room for them in the inn. They're out in, in the stable, in the manger. Definitely not the, the nice baby ward, baby floor at the hospital. And in the midst of all that, they were trusting in God. See, what was awesome, a little earlier, we saw Joseph had this heart of compassion. Rather than divorcing her publicly, he chose to divorce her privately. He felt that's the best way to Yeah, What did the angel say? The angel didn't say, yeah, go ahead, divorce her quietly. The angel said, okay, you've been thinking about option A and option B. How about number C or letter three? Take your pick. Just checking if you're awake. Not divorce her publicly, not divorce her privately. Instead, you're going to marry her. And you're going to have this baby. You're going to raise this baby together, and you're going to name him Jesus. Whoa, wasn't, wasn't prepared for that. The Lord spoke through the angel, and together they were trusting in the will of God. God said, this is what's going to happen. It's not going to be easy. But they took those steps of faith. They took those steps of obedience. And then they trusted in God. It's a lot of work. Probably a lot of heartache and a lot of sorrow in the midst of that. But they embraced what God spoke into them. They trusted God. They trusted his power. They trusted his word. And they trusted it was according to his will and his plan. You and I can do the same. We, we might not know and God might not reveal five steps or ten steps or the next 20 steps. God might kind of nudge us with one. And many times we're fearful to take the first step because we really want the next four or five or six or seven. God didn't reveal everything about this process. He simply said, this baby is through the power of God. It's going to be a boy. You're going to name him Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins. That, that's a lot to take. They took the next step, faithful obedience, and then they trusted in the will of God. 
You and I in the midst of things that maybe you're experiencing right here in the midst of Christmas, in the midst of some family situations, financial situations, physical situations, it is chaos maybe in your own life, personal, family, friends, etc. I want to encourage us as we've seen some examples, Joseph and Mary, chosen of God, used of God, There is this heart of compassion for others. Yes, they they still needed to take care of their situation. They still needed to follow through in their own lives. Joseph, looking beyond him, had this heart of compassion for Mary and for others. There was that desire to seek God's direction. And when God spoke, to obey, to take those steps of faith. And then ultimately, in the midst of what they were facing, in the midst of what their future was holding... Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. 